Good morning, everyone. Glad to be here with you again to study a portion of God's word. As we get started, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Our Lord God in heaven, thank you for this day and allowing us to be able to be here this morning to study your word and to also worship you, Lord, later on in spirit and truth. We pray that you be with us, Lord, um, that we may focus on your word and that you be with those that could not be here today, many that are under the weather, not feeling well. Please bless them and comfort them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are in chapter 14 of of, uh, 1 Kings. And before I I delve into the lesson today, uh, I want you to know that I understand sometimes it can get confusing. Um, It's going to get even more confusing as we go on through the rest of this uh, this first first Kings and then into second. When I mean confusing, confusing as in who is who and who belongs to what, who belongs to Israel, who belongs to Judah. Um, Confusing names like Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And we're going to read, I mean, we're going to talk about right now about Abijah and Ahijah. And you're going to be like, well, who are all these people? And I tell you that even um, studying this over and over, I have to stop and go, okay, yeah, this person belongs here and this person belongs there. But that's the wonderful thing about studying God's word that, um, you know, this has been around for thousands of years. And yet there's still so much you can learn, learn from it. So I ask you and I encourage you. Um, to study it yourself. Make sure that you're reading yourself. I, I'm, I'm telling you what we're going to be studying on First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. So it's real easy. I'm not hiding it from you. You you know what we're going to um, study. But here in class, we're not going to read through every chapter because we could be here for a very long time just trying to read it and then having to go back and trying to understand it. So uh, hopefully, hopefully you're taking notes and. Um, if you do have questions, um, you're, you're welcome to ask them here in class, but I know here in the auditorium most people do not ask questions here, but you're more than welcome to, to ask me later on or, or study it yourself. So last week we ended with chapter 13 and saying that the consequences of Jeroboam's sins are to be visited upon him and his children, and we will see that. In chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Abijah is ill. Abijah is ill, and Jeroboam feels maybe Ahijah, the old prophet, who gave him good news of receiving the kingdom of Israel, might give him good news now also. So he told his wife to to go and see him, but to be in disguise. Now, I'm going to ask you this. Can anyone hide from God? No, no matter if we, we have face masks on, matter if we put a wig on or we put on extra clothes. We've seen this before. We've seen this before where, um, you know, King Saul wanted to hear something from God. And what happened with him? We, we see that, uh, uh, not Solomon, uh, Samuel in his death was mad. Why are you messing with me in my rest? You know, you cannot hide from God. And so um, when you read this, you'll see that God had already told uh, the prophet that, um, well, 
here comes the wife. Um, and, and make sure you say this to him. You, you cannot hide from God. She comes to him in verse, I believe in verse 3. She takes with her, um, it says, also take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey. And go to him, and he will tell you what will become of the child. Um, well, this loaves and seems like crumbs and honey is an ordinary gift of any poor woman uh, who might bring it to the prophet. She's not bringing a gift that befits a queen. Um, she had, she could have brought him more, but she was in disguise. So in verse 4, we'll read through verse 12 there. And Jeroboam's wife did so. <clears throat> she arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of his age. Now the Lord had said to Ahijah, Here's the wife uh, of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus you shall say to her, for it will be when she comes in that she will pretend to be another woman. And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door. He said, come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news go tell Jeroboam thus says the Lord God of Israel because I exalted you from among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you and yet you have not been as my servant David who kept my commandments and who followed me in all his all his heart with all his heart excuse me to do only what was right in my eyes but you have done more evil than all who have uh, who were before you, for you have gone and made for yourself other gods and molded Im- images to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuse until refuse until it it is all gone the dogs shall eat whoever belongs to jeroboam and dies in the city and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field the lord has spoken arise therefore go to your own house when your feet enter the city the child shall die now he sent her to go ask about the child he he's going to get a whole lot more that comes from that the new she obeys Ahijah, who is blinded again, as we see by age, and we see that all the males will die in Jeroboam's house. He will take away; it was like taking away the refuse. He, he call he calls them, you know, refuse or, or dung. Sweep away the dung. Not one will die in honorable death. And here's how, in verse twelve, you know it will come to pass because the child will die. There was still some good in Abijah. Therefore, he will be the only son to die honorably. He will be one that will die and, and be buried. It says in verse 12, And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he is the only one of Jeroboam who shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something good toward the Lord of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Now, the cutting off of Jeroboam's house will be complete in chapter 15. 
Israel will go into captivity because of the sins which Jeroboam led them into. Again, the sign is fulfilled uh, in verses 17 and 18, or assumed to be fulfilled. And in verses 19 through 20, we see that Jeroboam dies, reigning 22 years. You can read more about this in Second Chronicles 13. And then Nadab, his son, is made king. So we, we're talking about Israel right now, and we stop here and we move back over to Judah. So as you're reading and studying First Kings, realize that there's a lot of back and forth that goes. So it's almost press pause over here and let's go over to Judah. But remember, this is going on over here. And, and in a, a week, a couple of weeks, I believe, um, I'll have a, I've been working on a screenshot of how we can figure out who was reigning when and, and where and at the same time. What also gets confusing is sometimes they have the same name, the same exact name. Um, and they're related somewhat to each other through marriage. Uh, but that's fine. God, God still has a plan or had a plan and we, we can see it through, we can see it through what we're reading. So when we get to verse 21, we see there, we, we start learning about the reign and then eventually the death of Jeroboam. So Rehoboam, excuse me, Rehoboam. Rehoboam's mother was, uh, Nama and Amoritus. What's important that you understand is that she also was not an Israelite. Um, he reigned 17 years. The queen mother of each king of Judah is named. This indicates the power a wife has over her husband and more directly over her sons. Remember when we were speaking about a few weeks ago about Solomon and how, you know, he had those 700 wives and, and 300 concubines? Um, there's a reason why God wants us to be married to one person, especially us men, because we can be pulled um, by our wives. If, if, if we're not set up, the marriage is not set up in the way that God would have it to. There's a, there's a role that each one of us plays. Uh, God has put the man, um, ahead of the household, but that doesn't mean that we trample over our wives. Our wives help us. They are our help meet. But you have 1,000 women that are vying for your attention. They're gonna pull you away. Uh, and then if you're not According to how God set it up for, for these, for the Israelites, if you're not marrying the right people and you're marrying folks that he said not to, they definitely are going to do that, especially because they are not worshiping God, the Father. They are worshiping all these idols. Well, as we keep on going, we see how, at least I would hope you would see as you study on your own that these these mothers, and we'll, we will talk about one specifically who was just terrible, um, will try to take over the kingdom themselves and, and cause a lot of damage. And because they, the way they are raising their children, their sons, um, they're influencing them. They all want them to be in charge one day. So then, you know, eventually they can be in charge. As she trains him, now, and, and this is not always, but as she trains him, so goes the nation. Uh, I know there was an uh, old saying that the hand that rots the cradle rules the world. Um, this is, in this case, in these cases, sometimes that is the case. Said cases a lot there, huh? All right, so in Second Chronicles chapter 11, you will see that, uh, you'll see Rehoboam's fortifications, because there's not a lot that, that is said here, but in First Kings, but there's a lot in 
Second Chron- Second Chronicles 11 about him, and you will see his family. Rehoboam had 18 wives, according to Second Chronicles 11:18 through 23. He had 60 concubines, 28 sons, and 60 daughters. Rehoboam wanted to make his son Abijah the king. But when Rehoboam was strong, according to Second uh, Chronicles 11.22, and his kingdom established, he did not want to deal with the Lord. Too often, we are the same way. When we are blessed in such a way where we're comfortable, um, however that means for, for, for us, financially or we're, we're living a good life, no things are going on bad in our life, we kind of cast God, no, we're not kind of, we cast God to the side. We, we forget about him until things go wrong, and then we, we turn back to him. Now, God wants us to always turn back to him. Don't, don't get me wrong. But what we continue to keep seeing over and over, and it's just mentioned right now about Rehoboam, is that when he became strong, and God helped him through everything he did, he forgot about God. He, he cast him to the side. He had nothing, didn't want anything to do with him. Well, back in 1 Kings chapter 14, verses 23 to 24, we see that Judah sinned greatly and angered God. That's also in 2 Chronicles chapter 12. The high places that were left in place were places of idol worship. As we continue to go on, we see that there are kings that have been put in place, and some of them are good. But then God will show us in, in scripture that, but they still didn't take away to high places so they still left a opportunity for error to come in sometimes they use those high places to to worship god but also to worship the idols there were sacred pillars or or images that were erected where revelations came from you know they would get um from their god little g you know things that basically they wanted to hear we we do we have that today too. I I wouldn't suggest that any of us in this room or online are doing this, but uh, I mentioned last this past Thursday uh, doing the the men's uh, devotional uh, and what I was speaking on. Uh, there was this lady named Miss Cleo that when I was a kid you could call her one eight hundred number. You pick up the phone and she keep you on long just long her or whoever is on the phone keep you on long enough so they can make some money and tell you what you want to hear you know your horoscope what what are you going to get rich yes one day you will and, and you know that we want to hear those things and so we allow someone to tell us those things and while miss cleo is actually dead now there are many people today standing in pulpits that will tell you what you want to hear just so they can appease you and you can appease their pockets. Well, originally from Jeho- um, from Jehovah, but others were places beside them, talking about the high places. And nobody could tell the difference between the true and the false worship. Remember, the high places were temporary until the temple was built, because there was no temple yet. And so God allowed that to happen, allowed them to, to worship, <coughs> excuse me, in those high places, but you couldn't tell the difference. They used to hate, dislike, and tolerate. Now they're embracing the sins of those that are around them. Remember we talked about last week. And that looks the same, um, what looks the same is not the same. 
And so talking about these high places again, let's bring it to today, apply it to today. Uh, true worship can be identified in what we find in Scripture. And when you, if you've traveled any or you go visit somewhere else and you're looking for um, the church, and I'm not talking about the building, but you walk into the building and you start to worship with folks, you should be able to identify, is this the church? You know, or, or, or are they practicing in the way that God will have them, have them practice? I've, I've traveled a little bit in my military career, and there have been times when I walked into a congregation to, to the building and it seemed like this was the church. They had the name on the outside that said Church of Christ. But when I walk in, I sit down and I start seeing some things that, not not in my opinion, but according to what God's word says, that's that's not what we're supposed to be doing in the church. Uh, if I walk, I walk in, I've walked into a building before, and there have been instruments sitting right up on the stage. I don't stay to see what. Well, let me see if they're going to use them. No, I leave because I already know. I, I, I can assume that, well, that's going to be used. Or um, maybe, you know, we, we go, into a current, go into a building and worship seems like it's going to be what it needs to be. And then someone gets up and starts speaking another language, which is not a problem. But the scripture tells us that we should have, you know, two or three translators. We need to have some translators. So you have somebody up here that's going to let us know what's ha- uh, happening. And when everyone sitting within the pews doesn't even know what the person is saying, but they say amen at the end of that prayer, I have a problem with that. I don't even know what you just said. And then when I asked the elders, when we asked the elders, well, what did he say? Well, we don't know. We just allowed him to get up because, you know, we want him to feel like he belongs. There's an issue with that. I mean, I know that seems like that's something very small, but those small things can amount to big things. And so... Just because something looks like it's supposed to be, it may not be that. And that's what was going on in this day. They had these, these high places that were there, that were there, um, originally for God. People started worshiping idols on these high places and there were, you couldn't tell the difference. They had a lot of perverted persons that were around them, um, homosexuals or sodomites. In verse 25 through 26, we see that Shishak was a plunderer, but he wasn't a destroyer. He was just one that would come in and, and, and take things, but he didn't decide to destroy things. Well, he plundered Jerusalem because Judah had sinned against Jehovah. You can also read about that in Second Chronicles 12, verses 2 through 12. In verse 27 and 28, we see that there are brass shields for gold. And now, uh, was kept in the guardhouse and not in the forest of Lebanon, which uh, Solomon built. Remember, we, as we were studying about Solomon and how long he took to build the temple and his house, he also built a, a house out in the forest that kept all of the, um, the weapons, all the shields, and they're not kept there now. And then in verses 29 through 31, we see the death of uh, a rare bomb. And Abijah, Abijam, uh, his son, reigns in his place. But there's, just before that, we see that there's war uh, between, uh, in verse, let's see, let's go to verse 29. 
And now the rest of the Azariah bomb, all he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all their days. Not necessarily war as in conflict of uh, armies all the time, but um, there was strife in between them. It's, they weren't friends, you know. Um, they, they were both ruling at the same time of, of God's people, but split. The kingdom was, was definitely split. So we get to chapter 15, and Abijam is not a good king. Abijam and Asa of Judah is what we, what we see in chapter 15. When verses 1 through 8, we discuss or we see the reign of Abijam in Judah. In verse 1, it says, In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, Abijam became king over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micha, the granddaughter of Abashalom. And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him. His heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord uh, his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem by setting up his son after him and by establishing Jerusalem because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, this, this portion of the lesson last night after attending uh, Miss Mabel's uh, uh, celebration of life. And I was thinking about how not with just Ms. Mabel, but many folks that have come into all of our lives who have been members of the body, who have been such strength to us. And I often think, I wonder if God has blessed me because of that person had prayed for me or uh, the things that they've done in their lives. I, I can't tell you yes or no from that, but I can tell you that, like we talked about last week, David was faithful to God. And because of David, that's what it says here, because of David, nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord will. So what I would encourage you to do, as I try to encourage myself, is, you know, let's be kind to one another. Let's, let's show each other God's love by the way we love one another. Let's help each other get to heaven together. Maybe I'm, and it's no maybe, I am praying for you. I'll tell you right now, you all don't know this, but the, the elders, we, we, once a quarter, we take the, um, there's a list that Ms. Ms. Judy sends us every week. A list of all the, um, attendants. And by the way, if you have not signed in, please sign in on the QR code. Um, we take that attendance. We get, we get lots of information. It's a lot of good information, um, about who's attending here, who's still, um, who's, who's signing in, who's coming in on, in person, but also, you know, here's a roster of all the members that are here. And what we to do is we divide that list once a quarter, and each of us take our list and do what we're going to do with that list. Either we're going to call, we're calling you, texting you, um, sending you letters in the mail, uh, coming to see you if we can, making sure that we're praying for you. That's the, the, the main thing I'll tell you that I'm doing um, with my list, besides all those things, is praying for each one of those those families, those individuals, allows us to focus on them. And so, I don't know, as I talked about last week, I don't know if my prayer is going to be answered. 
before I die. But that doesn't stop God and doesn't limit him from doing what he's going to do. Um, and so I would ask that you do the same thing and, and be like David in the sense of being after God's a person after God's own heart. Well, if you want to see the war between a real war between Abijam and Jeroboam, you will, you can read Second uh, Chronicles 13, 2 through 30. Jeroboam and Israel defeated and they lost 500,000 men. Abijam dies in chapter, um, verse 8 in chapter 15. And there's more that's said about him in Second Chronicles 13 as well. And then Asa reigns. In verse 8, it says, so Ab- Abijam, I said Abijah, didn't I? I'm sorry. Abijam rested with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In the 12th year, excuse me, in the 20th year, <laughs> of Jeroboam, king of Israel, Asa be, uh, became king over Judah, and he reigned 41 years in Jerusalem. His grandmother's name was Macha, the grandmother of uh, Abishalom. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did his father David. And so when I was studying this part, portion two, and I read that, I stopped and thought, well, this is, this is, unique or this is uh not unique this is um i don't know what word i said when i was thinking of what i was thinking of was that you can have folks that grow up or are in the same household have the same grandparents or parents and yet are different from one another his daddy did not do right by god in fact he was evil yet asa was a good king Sometimes we may have our own children who like, why don't you act like him, you know, and why don't you do like her? All we can do is our best is is to raise our children. I don't know what happened in that household. I don't know what grandmother was teaching. It it mentions her. They don't talk about the mother. It talks about her being the grandmother. Why it mentions that? I don't know. But I know that her son was different than her grandson. The, the same mother's name is used for Abijam, but he's, he's, she's the grandmother. Uh, still living, she probably still held the office of queen mother. With no mention of Asa's mother, she may have died, maybe, as a young woman. Maka's example of evil is important in the narrative. How we raise uh, our kids is important, but re- remember and realize they also have their own minds. Just as we did when we were growing up and once we left home. Asa was a good king, as as it stated. Chapters 14 and 15 speaks about him. He eliminated, during that time, homosexuality, verses 11 through 14. He removed the idols of the false gods. And he removed the queen mother for idolatry. High places were not removed. It possibly uh, referred to the places where offerings were made to God and they, or they would have been removed. In Second Chronicles 14, we see how Asa also fortifies the cities. So I hope you're seeing that as we're going through First and Second Kings, that here's a snapshot of what was going on. And sometimes we get a little bit more uh, in First and Second Kings. But then when you go and read about them in First and Second uh, Chronicles, you see more details of how, like, Asa fortified the cities. 
Asa in verse 15 uh, in, um, uh, of First Kings made many gifts to God. And Asa defeated Zerah and the Ethiopians. And the prophet Azariah, Azariah advised uh, Asa in Second Chronicles 15. Let's turn there in verses 1 through 7. Second Chronicles 15. Verses 1 through 7 says, Now the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law, But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and saw him, he was found by them. And in those times there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the lands. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. But you be strong and do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. He tells him to seek God, and he will be found. Judah has turned from Jehovah. That's what it said there in verse 3. He says, seek God, and you will find him, and therefore be strong. God is very clear. God is very clear of how he wants you to serve him. He was very clear then, and he's very clear now. And there's no difference. And we see this over and over as we're reading. God is very clear. Serve me. Stay with me and you will prosper. I don't, I don't know why they're not going back and reading the, the King's Chronicles. <laughs> like, you know, they were kept. They were kept for each of the kings and, and they're not going back and, or maybe they are going back and reading, but I still want to do my own thing. Uh, Asa's trouble with Basha in verse 16 through 22 back in 1st Kings chapter 15. We see Asa's trouble with Basha, the king of Israel. Remember, we're in Judah right now. Or Baasha. Baasha. I heard someone uh, pronounce it that way. Baasha wants to seal Judah up. And that's an act of war. Verses 17 through 19, we see that Asa has a solution. He sends gifts to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, and he helps by going to war against uh, Israel. And Baasha quits his project. And Asa removed all of Baasha's building materials and fortified uh, the cities of Geba and Mizpah in verses 20 through 22. Let's go back to 2 Chronicles in uh, chapter 16 now. We see some warnings of the prophet Hanani. Hanani, verses 7 through 10. And at that time, Hanani, and I said it three different ways now, huh? At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to, the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Syria, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubin not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because you relied on uh, you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord 
run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the time. So a few things that I took um, took from this, I was thinking about um, Joshua when he did not seek God, when, when those, when the folks who... <laughs> The Israelites were, you know, God was allowing them to just annihilate people. And these three different kings thought, you know, we're going to, we're going to fool them. We're going to put on some old clothes. We're going to bring some stale bread and, and we're going to make a pact with the Israelites. And instead of Joshua and the people going to God and finding out, you know, talking to God first, they got themselves entwined in something that they shouldn't have. And there are times, just like Asa, we do the same thing too where we don't talk to God about everything, everything that's going on in our lives. We should. He may not be, he may not, he's not going to talk to us like, um, he's not going to send a prophet or a seer to us. He's not going to, he's not going to send um, an angel to talk in our ear, but maybe he may send one of us. We may have some advice for one another. We, we may see it right in God's word. And, and sometimes we just don't, we don't see God uh, speaking to us in that way. Then we we don't think about how God helped us when this bigger challenge came along. And then this something that's smaller in our eyes, we say, well, I won't go to God. I'll just do this other thing. I, I don't see God changing ever. And the scripture here in verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God hasn't changed. And he wants us to stay loyal to him. Always go to him. There's nothing that you cannot go to God about. You might, Your answer may not be, or your answer may not be what you want to hear. But you can always go to God. Never think that anything that is in front of you is too big or too small for him to handle. Going back to chapter 15 of 1 Kings. So Asa, Asa again, he, he imprisons Hanani or Hanani and oppresses some of the people. And then in verse 23, we see that he's diseased in the feet. But we're not told uh, what. We can guess that it might be gout. Uh, it could be many things. We don't know. Um, but Asa dies. And more is talked about in chapter 17 of Second Chronicles about that. And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigns. Now this is the fourth king of Judah. We're pausing here at Judah. We're going back to Israel now. In chapter 15, verses 25 through chapter 16, verse 14. Nadab, Basha, or Baasha, and Elah of Israel. And right now we're going to specifically talk about the reign of Nadab. So all kings of Israel were evil. All the kings of Israel were evil. He was an evil king. I know it, it mentions it again, but 
He, he was the third, uh, Beasha was the third king of Israel, we see in verses 27 through 30. Beasha kills uh, Nadab. And every member of Jer- Jeroboam's family, this is predicted or was told by, foretold by God uh, in chapter 14, verses 10 through 15. Enmity be- continues between Judah and Israel. And then in verse 33, uh, we see the reign of Baasha of Israel. And he was no better than Jeroboam. Because of the sinning, he, he sinned just like Jeroboam. His family would be cut off just like Jeroboam's. Baasha dies in verses 5 and 6. And Elah, Elah his son, reigns. Baasha's house was to be eliminated. Uh, he did evil like Jeroboam. He killed the house of Jeroboam. Baasha's wickedness, though, proves his extermination of Jer- Jeroboam's family had selfish interests and were not righteous acts under Jehovah's direction. Even though Jeroboam's family all died, Baasha did it for the wrong reason and not for the reason that God had. Yet, all of Jeroboam's family is gone. And Jerobo- uh, God had condemned him for these actions. We would not have done so if he had been obeying the Lord and doing them. Um, doing them. So in verse 8, we see that Elah, in chapter 16 now, he reigns uh, two years. Then we get to the reign of Zimri in verse 9. There's something wrong in the way that Zimri did it as well. In verse 9, it says, Now his servant Zimri, commander of his of half his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Tizra, drinking himself drunk, in the house of Arza, steward of his house in Terza. And Zimri went in and struck him and killed him in the 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, and reigned in his place. The people of Israel, they don't accept Zimri, and they make Omri king. Zimri and Omri. Just remember, those two go together, because Zimri is reigning, but they don't want him. They want Omri. There's a divided kingdom again, in Israel, but there's, there's a divided kingdom within the divided kingdom. There are two kings. Timni is also a king or a co-regent with Omri. We see the reign of, uh, of Omri in verses 23 through 28. We see that Samaria is purchased and becomes the capital of Israel until the, its destruction and dispersion. And Omri was the worst yet. Well, until his son. Seem like they just keep getting worse and worse. We move into uh, chapter 16, verse 29, um, through 2 Kings chapter 9, which is going to cover the period of the alliance between Judah and Israel. There's still some enmity there, but there's some some things they want to do together that are going to benefit them both. We get to Ahab. Ahab is worse than all. To include his father Omri, he marries a foreign um, foreign woman in chapter uh, verse thirty one, and you all know her name, because none of you all have daughters named Jezebel, as far as I know. Uh, you know you 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 hear the name Jezebel and you just think bad thoughts, don't you? It's just because of this Jezebel, because um, her name is associated with evil. 
I don't ever want my name to be associated with evil. You just say, you Jezebel, you know, people call people that and because they that person is so, so evil. Well, in verses 32 to 33, we we see the Baals and the Asherah uh, are the gods and they then become the national gods also. So just to give you and and I'm not a scholar in this way, but I did look it up. So one bell is bell, but when you have a bunch of them is bell m, bell dash i m. That's plural. And then for the Asherah, when you have just one, it's just Asherah, and Ashtaroth is the plural form of it. My question then is, since God, excuse me, these these idols are their national gods, where is God in their minds? Um, there's still a remnant left though within God's people there are still people that are still serving God during this time and they have nothing to do with the idols and they're they're still the same today there are many that are serving all these false gods serving themselves but then there's the remnant and I and I would hope that we are and I would think that we're part of that remnant well then in verse 34 chapter 16 we see the rebuilding of Jericho Jericho was built by Heel, Heel, and the prophecy of Joshua 6.26 is fulfilled. The land of the foundation, um, Heel, he is the loss of his firstborn. And then the setting of the gates, he loses his secondborn. Oh, excuse me, he loses his youngest. In verse 1 through 7 in chapter 17, and we're just about done with, um, with this lesson today. And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these days except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here, and turn eastward, and hide by the brook Cherath, or Kerath, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Just a side note, big as these ravens are here in Alaska, I can, I can see how they were bringing him what they were bringing him. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Kerath, which flows into the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. So Elijah leaves no questions on who sent him, where he stands religiously, and what authority he has. Now, how are we doing with that? Do we live um, questions? Do we leave questions? Excuse me, in people's minds, whether we belong to God or not, whether we are a Christian or not, and do we live in a way that people don't notice something different about us? People should be noticing something different about us. They should understand who we are and what we stand upon. They should know who we serve. It is wrong if not, if we're not doing that. People should not only um, know by your actions, but also by the words that come out of your mouth. By you approaching them, wanting them to have salvation just as you have. Find a way. There's a door always open. It's going to be open for you. Find a way to tell people about God and what salvation he has, um, he has for them. Verses 2 through 3, which we read, 
by Jehovah's command, there are three obvious reasons why he wants this to happen. To keep anyone from coming to him to beg him to cause the drought to cease. To protect him from Ahab and Jezebel and to increase his confidence and in and reliance of God. Defeating my ravens would have removed any possibility of any man revealing where Elijah was hidden. He must rely on God. We must rely on God. Even during, uh, even during times in life uh, of loss and of persecution, we have to rely on God. The drought drives up the brook, confirming Jehovah is with him because God had told him this was going to happen. I want to go back and say, remind us, we must rely on God no matter what is going on in our lives. Even when it just seems like God has left us, God is still right there. He wants us to depend on him. And Elijah is going to learn this. He's going to learn this by by some some events that are going to happen to him and he's going to finally come to a realization that God is real. God is true. And this is a man that had God speaking directly to him. Well, we have God's word right here. Let's open it up. Let's study it. Let's see what he has to say. And then let's wait on God. Thank you all for being in class today. Our lesson next week, uh, we will cover... Chapter 17, I believe, through uh, chapter chapter 20. So there's your homework. Chapter 17 through 20 in Second Kings. Thank you all again. Please be blessed.